I remember specifically one night crying to her and just saying, I just want to die. I don't want to live this life. My husband deserves a better wife. My kids deserve a better mom. I just want to be with Jesus. Like, who wants to live this kind of life? And it was kind of at that point that I realized, okay, I've got to find another way to heal. I've been to all the doctors. Nothing's working. I've got to find another way to heal. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Katie and Lindy, and we are your podcast hosts. And today we are bringing you a story from one of our dear friends here at Storytellers Live, Jessica Hose. She shared at the Vestavia Gathering, which is right here where we live. She helps with storytellers. She helps us uh, do marketing and things. And so we're really, really excited to bring you all her story. You know, I'm so excited for everyone to hear her story because we have never had one like this before. It's a story about Lyme disease, yes, but it's really more of a story about God's healing power and what God called her to after he healed her as well through ministry. It really spoke to me about just God being healer and then the importance also of what we're putting inside of our bodies as well. And Patreon members, we actually have a surprise for you because Jessica's smoothie recipes are going to be available to you on Patreon. So check that out. If you're not a member, you can scroll down to our show notes and click the link or go to our website at storytellerslive.org. And also, we just want to say a big thank you to everyone who came to the Stories of yes, Hope luncheon we last week. <laughs> so much fun. Your encouragement, your support, showing up at the luncheon. Mm-hmm. We were just amazed at all that God did. Thank you to Margot Shaw, who was just an incredible storyteller and talked about how God showed up in her life. And to our legacy sponsors, King Cotton Fabrics and SBH Jewelry. We are so very grateful. Here's Jessica. My name is Jessica Hose, and I am married to my husband, Tyler, and we've been married almost 16 years. And we have We have three kids, William, who's 14, Juliana, who is 12, and Eli, who is nine. I was intimidated to tell my story because I don't think of myself as a great storyteller. So my prayer through all this has been, Lord, may your power be perfected in my weakness and that my story would bring you glory. Um, I'm originally from Baltimore. My favorite food is Maryland blue crabs. Moved about every year until we until eighth grade, where we landed in Madison, Alabama, right out, right close to Huntsville. Um, this is where I became a Christian, went to a church that I could walk to from my house, and a lot of my friends went there. It was a wonderful church. Um, fun fact, I was a pretty fearless kid, and I graduated high school at 16, and graduated college at 19, and married my husband, Tyler, when I was 19. He was my high school sweetheart, and um, went on to get my master's at 21 in elementary education. Fast forward up until two years ago, we lived in um, a suburb of Philly called Westchester, Pennsylvania, and we lived there for 15 years. And two years ago, we moved here to Vestavia, and we're so happy we did. Thank you. Thank you to all you lovely, wonderful women who have made me feel included and welcome trying to find my people midlife fun. Um, (laughs) I'm here today to share my story of healing. I was diagnosed with Lyme disease six years ago. Um, I remember the day I was bathing my kids and I found, I had like rolled up my sleeves and I found a tick on my arm. And in Pennsylvania, um, it's not as common here, but 
everyone knows about Lyme disease. Everyone knows someone who has had Lyme disease. So I was like, oh no, I hope it's, I hope it's not a Lyme tick. So I put it in a little plastic bag and researched it. I'm, I'm a researcher and researched it online. And I was like, it's a Lyme tick. It's a Lyme tick. So I, you know, I'm, I'm looking for the bullseye, the classic Lyme symptom or uh, that you indication that you have Lyme disease is a bullseye rash. So you get a red circle and then a red dot in the middle. And I never got it. So I was like, oh, great. I guess I, I guess I didn't get it. So I, you know, move on with my life. But a couple of weeks later, I start feeling fluish. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I'm sick and go to bed and feel better. And then like a week later, have the same thing, go to bed, feel better. And this keeps going on for about a month. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is weird. And I've ne- I had never been like fear- fearful of my health or anything. I had never had a reason to be, but it kind of came to a head. We went to Huntsville um, to see Tyler's family for Thanksgiving. And on Thanksgiving day, I could not get off the couch, like phys- like physically could not move even if I wanted to. And at that point, I was really scared. I was like, okay, something is really wrong. And I'm just like racking my brain for, you know, what what could it be? And I think back to the tick bite and I'm like, maybe maybe it's Lyme disease because I know it has all these weird symptoms. So I'm scared. I'm, I'm disappointed. I missed the whole holiday with my family. I had little kids and we go home and go to bed and I wake up the next morning and my feet are numb and I'm like freaking out. And I do what I do when I freak out. I called my mom. I was like, mom, have you ever woken up with your feet numb? And she was like, no, that she was like, that's, that's not normal at all. She was like, you need to find a doctor. Like something's weird. So thank God Tyler's doctor, family doctor was able to see me. And I told him all my symptoms. I told him about the tick bite. And I was like, you know, I think, I think I might have this. So he pulls up his medical journals. He's like, we don't have Lyme disease here in Huntsville that, that I've ever seen. I think you have Lyme disease from what, from what I can tell. So I'm going to put you on the, pro- the protocol for Lyme disease is six weeks of antibiotics. So he's like, I'm going to put you on doxycycline um, for six weeks and you're going to get better from what I can, you know, see and see in my journals. So I'm like, oh, wonderful. I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to get better and I just need antibiotics. So I take the antibiotics and, you know, I'm hopeful I'm going to get better, but I didn't. I just kept getting worse. And my symptoms were just all over the place by the end of this six weeks. My joints were aching and swollen. Um, I had like muscle twitches all over my body where you could like see when your eye twitches. That was like all over. Like I could see muscle twitching all over my arms and legs. I had double vision. I remember specifically when I, we would listen to the preacher, I would see like a ghost double image of him. I was like, just like anxiety just pulsating through my body. I had muscle weakness, very weird muscle weakness. Like if I go to pick up my coffee cup, I'd like my hand would shake and like I'd have to hold it with two hands because it felt heavy and really hold on to the railing going up the steps to try and like kind of pull myself up the steps. I had tingling and numbness in my hands and feet off and on, extreme exhaustion where I would just be in and out of bed and really, really bad brain fog. I would get lost going home from my kid's school or just normal routine places and I specifically remember one time calling my brother and he had been engaged. And I was like, so when are you and Alexis getting married? Jess, we got married last month and you were in the wedding. And I was like, okay, it's really bad. It's really bad. All that to say, as you can imagine, I was very, very anxious, very scared and very depressed. I had never been depressed before. And it was just, it was completely overwhelming. You know, worst case scenario, Lyme, you end, end up in a wheelchair and then 
potentially die. So I was just like, this is where I'm going. I'm, I'm going to end up in a wheelchair and then I'm going to die of this awful, awful disease. So in search of healing, went to New York City to an infectious disease specialist and it's pretty uneventful. You know, he, he couldn't find anything more to tell me. Went to a Lyme treatment center in Philadelphia. I switched primary cares, doctors, and he put me on another round of antibiotics and that didn't work. And then I got a brain MRI just to rule out anything deeper. And that was inconclusive too. So at this point, they were like, you should be better. We hope, you know, you get a good night's sleep. It was just like, they were like, "Mm, sorry. Not surprisingly, Lyme also crippled my relationships. Um, My family felt so bad for me and, you know, was prayerful and said the right things. But there's only so many times you can call even your family crying to where they're like, okay, good luck. We're praying for you. I could tell, you know, that they were just kind of like, okay, you know, hope you feel better. It was just no more calls laughing and, you know, doing things that families do. And then my friends would call. And frankly, I would just ignore it. I would just send it to voicemail because I knew how depressing and anxious I was. And I was embarrassed. I was like, I don't want my friends to seem like this. I don't want to be a drag on them. And when you're depressed, you don't want to really, you know, talk anyway. Um, And Tyler was super sympathetic, but he was really frustrated and rightfully so. He, you know, he, our relationship was not in an awesome place. It had been, you know, nine months and I wasn't holding up my end of the bargain. Even if I was sick, that's still really frustrating to be married to someone who's calling you off and on all day, relaying symptoms and saying, well, what if it's MS? What if it's ALS? What if it's, and just, you know, pouring all my anxiety into him. Needless to say, the house was a disaster. There were no more, you know, homemade meals made. And my poor kids, you know, kind of lost their mom. I was, they would get in bed with me and just kind of, you know, suffer along. But I was not, you know, my relationships were as low as they had ever been. And at my lowest point, I had to move in with my parents. I could barely function. I couldn't really move, was just a basket case. And my mom took my place. And I remember specifically one night crying to her and just saying, I just want to die. I don't want to live this life. My husband deserves a better wife. My kids deserve a better mom. Like, I just want to, I just want to be with Jesus. Like this, who wants to live this kind of life? And it was kind of at that point that I realized like, okay, I've got to find another way to heal. I've been to all the doctors, you know, nothing's working. I've got to find another way to heal. And again, by nature, I am a researcher. So I was like, okay, I'm going to pour into finding a different way. And I shifted my focus on to how I could heal naturally. So I found social media accounts of people who had healed from Lyme naturally. I read natural healing books. I looked at websites of how I could heal naturally. And the commonality I found was these people healed through their diet, time in nature, living with a purpose, and they all had a strong faith. As I reflected on that, I realized that their healing journeys resembled what life might have been like in the Garden of Eden. That was God's original plan for health and happiness. And this kind of became my healing philosophy. Like, I'm going to get as close to the garden as I can. Obviously, I had to have an extreme diet change. I previously just had like the normal American diet of, you know, pizza and subs and an occasional salad. And kind of overnight went to 
juicing and smoothies for breakfast and big hearty salads for lunch and just snacking on fruits and vegetables and kind of similar things for for dinner. And surprisingly, it was not hard at all. I was so desperate to heal and so hopeful to heal that that's all I wanted. So it was, thank God, not a really hard change. And then I really changed my thinking. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as someone thinks within himself, so he is. So instead of thinking like, well, God's you know plan's just not for me to heal, not everyone heals, I started thinking of myself as like restored and vibrant and healthy again versus, well, I guess I'm going to end up in a wheelchair or, you know, I, I guess I'll end up dead or I'll just, you know, I'm just going to slowly get worse and worse. I believed that God would heal me. And I believed he was who he said he was in Exodus 15, 26. He calls himself Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. When I would doubt that he was still he- healing people today, I would as opposed to just healing people in the Bible, I'd remind myself of 13, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I believed that he was able to, he wanted to, and he would heal me. In 30 days, I was healed. If I wouldn't have lived it, I wouldn't have believed it. It was miraculous. And my relationship with God exploded. I saw him in a whole new light as my miraculous healer, and I had a whole new faith. I felt like I could I could trust God so much deeper and that's because I had experienced him. I felt loved by him. I felt seen by him. I felt like he heard my prayers. It was um just a whole new level of love. Um I joined a women's Bible study for the first time cuz I just I just wanted to know God more. I was just obsessed with with him and who he was and and drawing closer to him. Um I started believing that when I read his words that they were speaking to me. It wasn't just in generalities or speaking to people in the Bible that he was talking to me. And I felt free from fear, which my life had been overwhelmed with fear for for almost a year. And I was sure that God wanted to me to share this story, to share that he had healed me and to hopefully offer other people hope through him. And I did. I told everyone who would listen. I went from, you know, denying people's calls to being like, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe what God did in my life. You're not going to believe how his His garden heals. I was just so excited to tell everyone. When I got through with telling everyone I knew, I wanted a bigger platform so I could reach more people struggling with their health and possibly heal like I did from Lyme or from any disease. So I decided I was going to bring God's healing garden to our community through an organic juice and smoothie bar. So on February 16th in 2019, Tyler and I, along with another close couple, opened Clean Juice Glen Mills in Pennsylvania. We were super excited, but I was really scared if it didn't work out, we were going to lose a lot of money. And I was managing it, so it would be on me if we lost it. (laughs) But I trusted that God was calling me to this because I knew I could. I knew I could trust him at this point. So I just went forward with, with that calling. And our opening day was a huge success. We had a line wrapped around the building, and we all know no one loves juice that much. It was totally, <laughs> it was totally God's favor, and you know I just felt like it was God saying, like, yes, this is what I called you to. Yes, like I'm here. You know, I'm I'm helping you through all this. And it was not easy. I totally needed God's help. It was the hardest I've ever worked in my life. I um, worked ten hours a day, many times six, seven days a week. And it was definitely a family affair. I'd pick my kids up from school and they'd be like, 
mom, we're not going to clean juice, are we? And I'd be like, we are. We are. (laughs) And I'd have them back there bottling and cleaning under sinks and, you know, doing all the things they definitely didn't want to do. Even Tyler, after work, he, poor thing, would get off work and I'd be like, hey, we just got a big cleanse order. You're going to have to come in and help me cold press till like midnight. And he'd be like, okay, great. I'm so happy you took this one. So it was totally a family affair. So I can't take all the credit. But Clean Juice was really a ministry. I wanted when people walked in to feel different at Clean Juice. I wanted them to feel God's presence and I wanted them to feel loved and accepted. Um, We had a prayer jar where people could write out their prayers and our employees and I would pray over them. We had scripture on all our cups and our shirts said, I run on Jesus and juice. I was able to share my healing story with customers who came in um, to offer hope to to heal through their diet. Where I didn't expect to find the most fulfillment and purpose in was my relationship with the kids that worked at the store. I always wanted to be a teacher because I love kids. But I never actually did go on to teach. And I used to laugh and say, well, I think I just wanted to be a mom. And I do, and I do love being a mom. I absolutely love being a mom. But now I really believe that, that teaching and mentoring is part of the calling in my life because I felt such deep connection to God and fulfillment and passion in my soul when I was teaching and pouring into these kids at Clean Juice. I felt even more of a connection and fulfillment than I did talking to our customers, being with these kids. I found the way to quickly connect with them was through humility. So I would share things I necessarily wasn't proud of, like, oh my gosh, I just messed up this order again. Or I would let them teach me TikTok dances that I would fail at miserably and encourage them and laugh with them as they laughed at me. I would also share big things with them, things I usually would only share with a close friend. But in doing this, they they reciprocated. They opened up and we were able to become, you know, quick friends. Um, beyond just working together. I loved working with almost all of them, but I'll share three stories that really stuck with me. Um, When they would go off to college, I would give them a Bible and a note in it that said like our inside jokes and how I was so proud of them and the things I saw in them. And I would tell them my best advice was for them to get involved in a campus ministry when they went to college and to read their Bible. So one day, one of the girls' moms came in And she has to speak to me. And I came out and I was like, hey, you know, what's up? And she started crying and she was like, oh, I'm so grateful you gave our daughter the Bible. She started reading her Bible again. She took it to college and it was the only thing on her nightstand. And her and her her father and I had to go in the hall because we were just like holding each other crying, just so grateful that she's just coming back to the Lord. And I was so, I was so grateful she shared that with me because you don't you know you don't know how things go over and if it has any influence in their life but it just so encouraged my faith and it's just always so uplifting to hear especially young people um seeking God. Another girl that worked at Clean Juice just had a not great home life. She ended up while she was working there getting getting kicked out of her house and Tyler and I offered for her to come live with us. And she did. She lived with us and we were able to just pour into her. We had great conversations and great meals and the kids even loved it. They played games with her. And I'm not saying doing this completely changed her life, but I feel like it would have been a missed opportunity to show God's love had we not had her. 
And I really bring it up to show how God shaped me because pre-Lyme, I wouldn't have done this. I would have just been more focused on my own issues and I wouldn't have invited her to into my home. I, not, I wouldn't have been mean to her, but I just would have been just more concerned with my own life. But something happened in my suffering and God stripped me of that self-centeredness a little bit of it, and replaced it with love for him and a tenderness for his people. So even though I can't control her faith journey as much as I want to so bad, because I want everyone to know our amazing Lord, but I have peace knowing that I was obedient to his call to love and trust and that he'll handle the rest. The last story I'll share with you, uh, this poor, poor girl had a horrible life. She very quickly opened up that her parents were addicts and abusive to her and her um, siblings. Her little her little sister still lived with the parents, and, re- and she was upset one day that dad had kicked her little sister down the stairs, and she broke her leg. It was just absolutely terrible. She was in and out of terrible relationships. She had had at least one abortion, and she wasn't welcome at the holiday at holidays by her family. She was a very broken person and a terribly unreliable employee, but she really did want to please, and she wanted to break free of the darkness in her life, but she had just such brokenness and no support system. And she'd call me in tears about her relationships and other struggles, and I would pray with her and tell her God's word and God's promises and, you know, that he loves her, and I would, you know, give her my advice. I didn't, you know, sugarcoat things. I was like, you know, what are you listening to? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Are you going to church? Are you doing these things to, you know, take you steps closer to God? And unfortunately, when we moved to Birmingham, I did lose touch with her. But my hope was that she felt loved and accepted by me rather than judged and discarded. I hope that the seeds of faith I tried to plant in her life are watered by God in the future. When I left to move here, the kids threw me a surprise going away party at an escape room and made a scrapbook of the sweet notes of sweet notes that still sits in a box in my dresser that I still flip through if I want a good cry. Leaving those kids was the hardest part of leaving Clean Juice, and a part of my heart definitely still aches when I think of the special relationship and potential influence I had with them. Words can't really describe the joy, excitement, and deep fulfillment I felt when I felt like God was using me to encourage their faith, but I'm so grateful for the time I had. When I reflect back on those nine months struggling with Lyme disease, I see God used it to humble me, shape me, and increase my need for Him so I could truly experience His love and power. I'm honestly grateful that I was sick. I love my newfound passion and appreciation for health. I love how much closer I feel to God. I love that I can glorify Him by sharing that His garden and He healed me. And I love that He helped me love His people better. My hope in sharing my story with you is that if you or a loved one is going through a hard time, you can trust that God sees you, He loves you, and He's using it to prosper you. He is shaping you to be more like Jesus, and He has a calling and a purpose for your life that He planned before you were even born that will bring you more joy, love, and fulfillment than this world could ever offer. I was praying for God to give me a verse to share, and He clearly showed me Psalms 103, 8, 12. My soul, bless the Lord, and do not forget all His benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. And that is my story. He healed my disease. He redeemed my life from the pit. And he crowned me with faithful love and compassion. And he can do the same for you. 
Thank you for your time and God bless you. After I first heard Jessica's story, I had to text her immediately and tell her thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing just the struggles she had, you know, with her thought process, the anxiety that she had once she um, was suffering from Lyme's disease. But it was so interesting, y'all, because I listened to her story and, you know, she spoke early on in her story about once she got to a place of she wanted to die and then she was like, okay, I've got to change here. I've, I've got to find a way to heal. And she started looking at ways to heal. She was said that some of the common themes were diet and time and nature and a strong faith that a strong faith was one of the commonalities of healing. And it was so interesting because I went to a dinner and I was speaking to this man whose wife had cancer. And he was telling me that he was at MD Anderson with his wife and the doctor came in and was kind of speaking to them about next steps. And he was not a believer. He was asking them different questions. And then he said, well, do you have a faith? And they said, yes, we're Christians. And he said, oh, good, because you have a 58% better chance of healing. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? It's just amazing to me how God is still Jehovah Rapha. He is the God who heals. And so often I think that we put so much stake into what doctors say, what statistics say, when he wants to heal and show off like he did with Jessica. I mean, he just showed off with her. And then she was able to use that as a ministry, which was just amazing to me. Well, in her struggle with anxiety, um, of course, I, I related yeah. so much when she said, you know, I started just worrying all the time mm-hmm. about would oh. I be in a wheelchair? Would yeah. I, what's going to be the outcome? And, you know, that verse, Proverbs 23, 7, yes. where she just said, you know, I am claiming restoration and vibrancy. And that began also her healing process mm-hmm. so that Jehovah Rapha could work. And and so, again, it goes back to the importance of how we think. And Satan wants to tell us lies. Mm-hmm. But God, through him, we know truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then once she has healing, what she chose to do with it. Mm -hmm. That's what I love about any story that we have is that people go through something difficult. They have a trial. They have a challenge. And we always want to end our stories with a section that we actually call Bring the Hope (laughs) because it – no one's story is tied up in a bow. It's not perfect. Jessica talks about how she still eats very clean and very healthy for most of the time. But it's what God does with what we've all walked through. And her opening that juice bar really to bring hope to other people to help them learn how to eat and heal. But in the meantime, God gave her a second passion. She loved kids. She mm-hmm. wanted to be yeah. a teacher. Yeah. And she was able to speak into the lives. You heard her talk. Right. right. And you could feel the passion as she was talking about these kids who she got to invest in. And isn't God amazing that through all she walked through, through all of those challenges, he then gave her opportunities to teach people how to heal their bodies through him and love kids at the same time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And certainly, you know, kind of cultivate that passion that she always knew was there for just impacting and investing in kids. Yeah, just and using that ministry platform. And I, I loved how she kept referencing, you know, eating from God's garden. Yeah. You know, that's that's why we actually titled this Eating from God's Garden. And again, as Lindy said, we're so excited that she is like putting some of her smoothie recipes yes. on Patreon as well for those of you who are interested. And if you're like me and you're not like really good at making smoothies <laughs> and you don't really know what to throw in there, she has some great ideas for you. Thank you so much for listening. We love when you share our stories. This is a great one to share that I hope will bring encouragement to so many people. And if this has spoken to you, y'all also know how much we love your feedback. Let us know 
how Jessica's story and any other story has spoken to you. Send us a message on Instagram or Facebook or on our website. We'd love to hear from you and how God uses these stories in your life. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.